How's it going? How's it going? And welcome to From the Sidelines. My name is Josh Devon. I'm here with Devin Davis and Noah Tyree. And today we got some NBA draft content for you. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at FTS Pod. You can follow us on Instagram as well at FTS Pod. You can email us at the FTS Pod at gmail.com and visit our website, FTSPod.com, FTSPOD.com if you can't spell. Let's get into it. Got the NBA draft kind of snuck up on me. I didn't even know it was happening this week. I don't know about you all, but neither did I. COVID happening, everything. I think last year it's kind of screwed it up. I was expected in June, and then boom, July. Yeah, and it was, a lot, it was a lot closer to the end of the finals too. So I mean, it hit, hit, hit the NBA finals, and then two weeks later, draft time. That's kind of I kind of like that though, honestly. Yeah. I do too. I really do. Yeah, it keeps the NBA calendar moving, which I think is really nice. And you know, Adam Silver's always tried to make it a twelve-month sport. Um, so normally it's just free agency month, but with the COVID situation delaying the season, still got draft season. That's true. That's true. We got we got some young talent to talk about here. So let's go ahead and dive on into it. With, uh, pick one on the clock. Got the Detroit Pistons. Devin's team. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you. You're the, you're the Detroit man here. Who who? You're the GM of the Detroit Pistons. I can't even think of who their GM is right now. But who are you taking? Uh, if I'm Troy Weaver. Ah, yes, classic, Mister Weaver. How could I forget? Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, from from draft day himself, Mister Weaver. We we know we know that you know, Detroit sports franchises never do the right thing. They never, they never seem to make the correct decisions. So, you know, I'm just going to assume that that trend continues here. They probably, you know, just take Cade and do the safe choice. It is what it is. Fine. You know, you get Cade Cunningham. He has a really high floor, I think. He's a terrific passer, great athleticism, and he's tall. He'll be able to uh, be a versatile defender. But I honestly, what I would do personally, I would try to trade down to two or three with Cleveland or Houston uh, and get Evan Mobley. If you could, if you think that the Houston will stay and get Jalen Green, you could drop down to three, pick up you know an extra first round pick or something, another asset like that. Walk away with could be the best player in the draft and future draft capital, which Detroit desperately needs. <laughs> you got Killian Hayes already in the backcourt. He can play with Cade Cunningham, but I think giving him a versatile big man. Um, it's gonna really help the rebuilding process, and he—we've he, seen in the NBA Finals, Giannis, Aiton, these versatile bigs that you know can guard smaller guards on the perimeter and are not a liability on the offensive end um, are really valuable. So I, I want to see him get Evan Mobley and and some draft capital, but probably be Cade Cunningham. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see. Evan Mobley being a good asset for them. Pair him with Isaiah Stewart. God knows that you know, do something about Mason Plumley. Uh, um, I could see that happening. But I mean, if I'm them, I'm taking the safe bet. Cade Cunningham. I mean, like I said, you know, they have, there's some potential there with Isaiah Stewart. Um, they don't really have much going on in the middle there, except for I guess Jeremy Grant. But I don't know. Just the, I mean, I, Cade Cunningham, he's an all-around player. He's a good shooter. You know, he shot 40% in college. Having somebody to, that can spread the floor like that for them and a good young talent to possibly build around is something they need. And 
who knows, somebody to play off Killian Hayes, maybe develop him a little bit rather than playing other people that don't deserve minutes. But yeah, I'm, I'm taking the safe bet, taking Cade. I'd probably end up taking Cade too, but I, th- we have to remember this man is a 6'8 point guard. So it, it's a little different. Uh, once in a lifetime prospect, especially for a team like Detroit, uh, averaging 26 and three and a half on 40% shooting, like you said, at 6'8 as a freshman for Oklahoma State. So it, it's, and he has, he has the weight to him. He's 220. He might be a little underweight for 6'8, but he could probably work on that in the offseason. And uh, according to one scout, he called him the most complete prospect I've ever seen in my lifetime. But that's an opinion. Who who knows how that would turn out? But for for numbers like that, especially playing for like Oklahoma State and the Big Twelve and all all these different teams there. And, and granted, it's still Big Twelve defense, regardless what sport. But it, it it can definitely add up to him. And I feel like they would be passing up on somebody, even if it is trading down to get Evan Mobley, which they could afford. But I would take Cade Cunningham. It's not often there's a point guard that's six eight that comes into the draft as a freshman. So yeah, let me ask you all this: What do you think his ceiling is? Uh, I think he can be in like a multi-time All Star, probably fighting for an All NBA spot. Um, I you know I don't necessarily see him as an MVP caliber candidate. Um, you know something like a surefire like Anthony Davis was or what Zion will be, but you know I think he's kind of in that tier below. Um, kind of, you know, maybe like the Bradley Beal, Tatum, Jalen Brown range. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. That's, like where I, that's what I would go with, too. But if he can raise those assist numbers up a little bit, maybe his rebounds, you can keep 20 points a game for a point guard. That's fine. But if he can raise those up, I feel like he would be that all-NBA team. Definitely so, so. Wherever that would go, maybe raise the three-point percentage up to like 43, 42. But regardless, 6'8 and shooting three-point percentage for 40, that's still pretty good. So I I would take him, honestly. All right, let's go on to pick number two. We got the Rockets. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as every draft board goes, Cade Cunningham is set at one and Jalen Green is set at two. So yeah. who are you Three guys? Three tabs doing? on my computer have the same thing. So <laughs> I, my thing with like Jalen Green is like he he played in the G League, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't see ESPN throwing on Ignite games. Um, so I've never like I've only ever seen highlights. Like I've never watched like a full game of Jalen Green. So I just I just know he's like really athletic. Well, he he. Averaged the most points on the team. I don't know if it was the most out of the G League, but he did average the most points on in this team. So 18, 4, and 3, roughly, if you want to round it up. And then if you want to round up 30% or his three point percentage, it's a 36.5. So take it how you want. There's a lot of distribution that could be given more for him. I know he's a shooting guard, but. If he can figure out how to distribute the ball a little better, maybe rebound a little better, he can probably get a little bit, uh, probably become like the starting shooting guard within a year or two. Yeah. My thing is, you know, the Rockets, they had Kevin Porter kind of pop off a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't I honestly don't know if like if Evan Mobley's available, we take him there and pair him with Christian Wood. That would be a move. I would absolutely agree with that. I really would. I just I don't know how that would work out. Because Jalen Green is six five, so you could put him at the two or the three if you're trying to play small ball a little bit. So if you put him with Evan Mobley, maybe or trade him out for Evan Mobley, you're kind of just giving up. I guess more, re- or you're giving up more points than you are rebounds. So take what you think your team would need. Yeah, what do you think, Devin? I mean, I understand the Rockets' logic with this pick. They need they need more help than just whatever one prospect they're going to get at number two overall. So exactly. they're taking. They're just right. going to take. They're going to take their chance with the upside that Jalen Green provides, and he definitely does have the highest upside in the draft. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, he's a prolific scorer. Um, great from the perimeter. Uh, he's a little cat. He's a little streaky off the off the catch, but um, you know when he's pulling up off the dribble. He's been a terrific three-point shooter in the G League. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, probably would be a ball-dominant two-guard, um, high usage rate, something like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, you know, one of those guys. Um, just can get their spot, score. Um, might be a liability on defense a little bit, especially at first uh, as he acclimates to the league. But I definitely think the ceiling is the highest in the in the draft. And if I'm Houston, I think I'd take my chances with it as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this as a Pistons fan. If they say screw Cade or taking Jalen Green, how would you feel about that? Oh, I would hate it. No, I I I I would hate that. I would agree with that. I, yeah. I could I could understand the logic. Sure. But it feels like such a boom bust pick where, you know, Cade might have a slightly lower ceiling, sure. But the floor is so much higher with Cade. Like, yeah, you just—I feel like the, the the difference that you'd give up in the floor of the prospect is not is not worth the reward you'd get by increasing the ceiling slightly. So, yeah, you know what you're gonna get with Cade. I mean, even if he's not a superstar, he's still gonna score. He's still gonna give you decent minutes. Yeah, exactly. Minutes. He has the—he definitely has the intangibles, the leadership, um, the ability to you know make his teammates better. Which I definitely think is something that you're looking for in a young ball handler um, coming into the league. So, yeah, I just think you know for the culture and for the things that he'll provide off the court, you, you need to take Cade if you're going in that direction. Right. All right. Let's go on to a number three pick. We got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, projected here is Evan Mobley. So. Uh, I mean, as many centers as the Cavs already have. Um, is Evan Mobley the move? Well, the difference with Evan Mobley is that he's a lot more agile and mobile than most centers at his size are. He's a little undersized for a center at 215 for seven feet tall. So he would have to get a little more muscle onto him. But he at, at USC, he was averaging 16 almost nine rebounds a game and two assists with 30 per, uh 30% from three points so he has a shot on him so i you you could maybe fit him at a wing maybe a a a spread four you know put him at the corner or whatever so i would definitely agree with that but he also apparently has the agility to get those rebounds and get what you need and get down the court uh if if that was to happen i wouldn't have any problem with it yeah, I think I mean I think a stretch four would be good. 
playing playing him alongside Jerry Allen. That'd be kind of nice. But seven foot for a power forward, I mean, that's not exactly normal. But if he has the agility to do it, especially at the slim size he has, you could probably do it. I mean, not but, not comparing games, but kind of Chris Stapps-esque, you know? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. If he has that shot on him, but he's still not as tall as Chris Stapps or anything, but I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I just, I just meant playing power forward and being that tall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, of course. Yeah, what do you think, Devin? Uh, I think I think Evan Mobley is going to be a terrific NBA player. Um, I think he'll be a great big you can use in the pick and roll. And as he continues to improve on that three-point shot Noah referenced, um, he'll be even deadly as the pick-and-pop option as well. So uh, I think he'll be impossible to guard in the, in the ball screen action. And then when you look at the fact that, you know, he's going to be great on defense, great on the glass, um, averaged, what, 8.6 rebounds as a freshman in, in college. So he definitely has uh, a nose for rebounding the ball. So I think he has a lot of upside. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like a Chris, Chris Bosh type entering the league so he can develop and you know just he really has great instincts you know if you watch his games you can just kind of see you know he has the high iq high game sense knows where to be on the court um he always makes the right play um so i think you know he he has a great upside especially for a big um so i think you know a lot of teams could use that and it's not something you're going to find elsewhere in the draft yeah my only thing is like he's got the wingspan he's got the height to get rebounds but he just—he kind of lacks the muscle. He's only two fifteen. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, but yeah, I feel like you know most bigs are like that when they come in the league. They develop the muscle. You know, you can look at right. Anthony Davis for example. You know, oh yeah. Like you know, something like Chris Bosh when he yeah, like I said, like you know, I think the muscle will come. I think you yeah. know he has the frame and he has the athleticism. So once you develop the weight and the the muscle, I, I don't see I don't see where the flaws lie. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get on to pick four. Um, I don't know what you guys are looking at, but for me, it says Jonathan Kuminga is projected here uh, to the Raptors. I have Jalen Suggs, but they're also determining Scotty Barnes. Yeah, this so, is this is this is the point of the draft where everything's uncertain. You know? Yeah. Well, if if I'm Toronto. And there's the trade rumors about Pascal. I would need somebody on offense to score those points, and I would take Jalen Suggs over Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes has everything defensively, but his shot's not all the way there. Uh, he averaged almost less than five points compared to Jalen. But, I mean, you can develop that a little more easily than defense because that kind of comes more natural to you. I would I, I would genuinely take Jalen Suggs just because he has more offensive weapons to himself. He can shoot the ball, and he would be a great replacement for Kyle Lowry if he does get traded. You can develop him into what Kyle Lowry is, and maybe even better. But I also wouldn't be too mad about Scotty Barnes because you defense comes natural. So I, I, I wouldn't know where to take from that. The only difference is I if you're wanting three-point shooting, I would take Jalen Suggs because he almost has a whole six, almost seven percent better three-point shooting. So it would basically be their choice. I I'd take what you want. I mean, this is kind of tough just because like if they don't end up trading Kyle Lowry, 
Kyle Lowry remains on the Raptors, they're like the exactly. front court or their back not front backcourt is going to be loaded. I mean, they're going to have Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, and potentially Jalen Suggs. So I mean, you might need to go for that middle man. Get the defense. Get Scotty Barnes. Try and get some shooters out of the Pascal trade if that ends up happening. Ends up happening. So I mean. I really don't see them going wrong either way between those two guys. I feel like there's room for both of them. You score a nice middleman to defend, get some rebounds. So, I don't know. What do you think, Devin? Uh, isn't isn't Kyle Lowry a free agent this offseason? He is, but he might sign back. So, if he oh, signed yeah. back... I don't mean them trade. Yeah, I mean, I meant sign back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just making sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I was just wondering because I was like, yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the direction they go with this pick depends on what happens with Kyle Lowry. Um, I think if they want to find the successor to Kyle Lowry, I definitely think Jalen Suggs would be the direction they should go. Um, his He really demonstrated you know, high basketball IQ um, and has a great feel for the game. So you know, we saw that throughout his time at UConn. Um, he always was able to involve the big man Kispert and you know, he really found his teammates and was a great distributor and then was terrific on defense. And I think that's something that really stood out to me. Uh, not something that, you know, he really, you know, is known for, I, I would say. But definitely, definitely uh, really impressed me, especially when you go back and watch the film. So, you know, I think he'd be a great um, replacement for Kyle Lowry. And I really don't think that they should go like Kuminga or Barnes. It just, I feel like, you know, Suggs is the pick, plays well with Pascal Siakam, um, and then they'll have Fred Van Fleet as their other guard. So I think you just plug him in the spot of Kyle Lowry if that's the case and see where it goes. All right, let's go to pick, what? Yeah, pick five. Let's go on to pick five. Got Orlando. Um, it's where Scotty Barnes is projected. So Orlando, I mean, if Jalen Suggs were to fall to five, do you take him, even though you already have Cole Anthony? I wouldn't. Cole Anthony, regardless of the injuries that he had, I'd give him a couple more years because he did play good when he was healthy. So I would understand the magic taking Scotty Barnes. They need that wing perimeter defense. That's what he's there for. At Florida State, he shut down everything. The only problem is, is his offense. He's averaging 10, 4, and 4 on 27.5% three-point shooting. You can't have that for a wing in today's game, regardless of size or whatever. He needs to work on that game. But on the defensive side, they would also need it to put with Cole Anthony so he doesn't have to guard two or three positions out of the five. Like, you can't have that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, anything's better than Terrence Ross. So, agreed. <laughs> I, I I would take Scotty Barnes here, or I'd even look at Kuminga here. You know, I get somebody with a little more offense. There is not a prospect I despise more in this draft than Scotty Barnes. He, oh boy, here we go. You want you want to know why? No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I don't know about you, but I watched. I watched the Philadelphia 76ers play the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA playoffs. And, you know, arguably the best defensive player in the league couldn't play in the game in the last four minutes of the playoffs. Why? Because he was a zero on offense. He was passing up dunks. 
That's how much of a zero he was on offense. Doc Rivers literally couldn't play Ben Simmons in the playoffs. Why would I want to waste a top five pick on a player that's going to be A, worse defensively than Ben Simmons, and B, just as bad in offense? No thanks. I'm good. I saw that it didn't work in the playoffs, and I don't want to take a player that's going to be worse than that. <laughs> so I'm not going to take, you know, Michael Carter-Williams 2.0 for for of my fifth overall pick when, you know, you have the upside of Kuminga. Or if Jalen Suggs falls, or James Bognight, there's so many better prospects than Scotty Barnes. I I can find a defensive specialist later on in the lottery. If he falls to eight, maybe you can consider him. But at five, no shot I'm taking a defensive only. But that's definitely what the Magic will do, because that's what the Magic always do. All right. Devin does not like Scotty Barnes. I don't know. I mean, like, is he even like? I don't, I don't think he's that good a defense. If we're being honest, like, you know, he's he's good, but he's not. Uh, he's not. I draft in the top five because he's gonna shut down the enemy, the opposing team's best player, night to night. I don't see right. That. Right. I feel like if you have defense, it's a good thing, but you also gotta have you also gotta have the three. So I feel like I don't know Tony Allen esque players these days just don't really work you have to at least have to be a three and d kind of guy well exactly. that's what i'm saying if he can get that shot up he, he and should. have the ability or confidence to knock down those three-point shots he has like all-star upside he, so have i you don't seen the man take a jumper he looks worse than me and you bro i <laughs> trust me there ain't nobody that's worse with a jump shot than me and you so i don't know about that yeah, bro, he, man shot below 30 percent from three he didn't even shoot 61% from the free throw line, which, if you look at the correlation and translation to the NBA, free throw percentage is actually a better predictor of NBA three-point shooting percentage. So, I think when you consider both of those statistics, it's not a great sign that Scotty Barnes is all of a sudden overnight going to become Damian Lillard from behind the arc. Okay. All right, so that's pick five. Potentially Scotty Barnes, potentially Jonathan Kaminga, potentially James Bonite. I don't know. We'll see. Let's get on to pick six here. We got the OKC Thunder. Um, and projected here is James Bonite. So, your Thunder. Who, what's the move here? I'm excited to see what Sam Presti has cooking up. You know, he's always, it's always up to something. Uh, he's been the most active GM over the past uh, 12 to 18 months, um, and he has a, a haul of draft capital to work with. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to slide up into the top four or something. Um, you know, send one of those Clippers picks or something to go get one of those upper echelon guys. Um, or if he wants to take the upside with Kaminga and just, you know, continue. <laughs> taking home run shots, try to rebuild for like 2025, um, and just have Kuminga as like that long-term development project. It fits the timeline. Uh, it fills a need. Um, so I think Kuminga would be a great pick if they decide to stay in the spot, but I think I think Presti has something in the works. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if he traded up and got Evan Mobley or something, that would, I, I would be totally fine with that too. Um, yeah, but I mean, at this pick specifically, I like James Bowe Knight, but I feel like the front or the backcourt's kind of already set. Now, I mean, that we just picked up Kimba Walker and already have 
Gilgis Alexander. So I feel like there's really no need. I feel like Jonathan Kaminga is definitely the best option here. The upside with the upside he has, and you know, I think he could pair nice with Gilgis Alexander. So that's who I would take as well. I, mean, I would take Kaminga as well, but Bonai. I mean, he has the ability to develop. The only problem I see with him is the three point percentage. It's below thirty percent. But if he can create that upside for being a uh, twenty, maybe twenty five point per game scorer, then he. He has the upside to do that. He's a nice size shooting guard for 6'5", 190. He can guard most of the guards. And I just, I don't see anything going wrong. But at the same time, if he can't develop that three-point percentage, it's going to be a little harder on him. And at the floor, at the very least, is like, uh, I, I don't know, uh, somebody that would get off the bench to get you buckets. Jordan Clarkson. Just that... that there you go. That's a nice type of comparison. There you go. Yeah, I would do that. Or somebody along those lines. Like, that would be his floor for me. And in the ceiling would be somebody like 20 to 25% or 20 to 25 point per game score. Excuse me. But I also... the Kaminga has more of a defensive ability for him. So I... It's one of those things, again, where if you want to take defense, you have the ability to. But if you want that scoring percentage, I would do that as well. Because he averaged almost 19, 6, and 2. But like I said many times now, it's that three-point percentage that's going to bring him down. I think I think that he'll be fine as a three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, he had a 32% usage rate on UConn's team. So he was asked to just, you know, take a lot of shots, take a lot of bad shots. Um, so I think, you know, that probably hurt his percentage. And, you know, like I mentioned, you know, earlier um, with Scotty Barnes, James Bonite has a great free throw percentage, 81%. Um, so when I think when you look at that and project that to translate to a three-point percentage in the NBA, you know, I definitely think he'll be in the upper 30s. Uh, when it comes to three-point percentage in the NBA, especially with the improved spacing that it'll have in the NBA um, and uh, in the open looks, I, I think he'll be fine from behind the arc. So if that puts your mind at ease, Noah, definitely think we should be taking James Bonite. It does. It does. I mean, this says Sam Presti's loving him. He's been impressed in the pre-draft process with the shooting, so... I don't know. I think that usage rate does have a lot to do with it. I mean, you, you have to you overshoot and take bad shots in college. I mean, thirty percent for his usage rate isn't necessarily terrible. But yeah, we'll see what happens there. Let's get on to pick seven, Golden State. This is where Jonathan Kaminga is projected. Is this best case scenario for Golden State? You getting Jonathan Kaminga? Well, he averages 16, 7, and almost 3 on 25% of three-point percentage for a wing, a 6'8 wing at that. If he can work on that, Golden State might have a steal here for making him go that low because we already have two other teams that thought about it. I mean, with that, they got Clay coming back. They'll have Steph and Clay in the backcourt. Obviously, two of the greatest shooters of all time. 
and just surround them with defenders. I mean, Kuminga, Draymond, and James Wiseman. I've got they. Uh, they're I, well, looking well, we good. We, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, you can't give too much hate to James Wiseman. It was only his first year, so like, let's give him a little more time. But if you can put Steph and Clay at one and two, put Kaminga at three, put Draymond at four, and Wiseman at five, that could be very deadly. Oh if, yeah, if he can develop correctly. I mean, I'm, if that if that's the case, I mean, I, I think they're going to be back to where we're used to seeing the Warriors. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm not as sold on Kuminga to Golden State. I don't feel like his timeline really matches up with the Warriors. Um, and they already took kind of you know the developmental project prospect with Wiseman last year. So, I I think somebody like Don Davion Mitchell or James Boatnight would serve them well. Or if they you know they find a package. Wiggins seven fourteen, you know they can get somebody like Ben Simmons or maybe put throw in Wiseman get Damian Lillard. You never know, Damian Lillard, Draymond Green running the Team USA pick and roll quite nicely. So we're seeing shades of it. I definitely think the Warriors should be pursuing Damian, but I just don't think Kuminga would make a whole ton of sense. Feels like kind of a duplicate of Andrew Wiggins on the perimeter. And I don't think he's going to be able to help them compete for a title in the next two years or so, um, you know, while they're still trying to utilize the prime they have with Steph and Clay. So I, I personally don't really see it. I definitely think they should take a more NBA ready prospect or look to, you know, use the, utilize their draft capital to get a, get an actual, you know, starter contributor for a playoff run. Yeah. I mean, I understand that, but with the upside Kuminga has if they were to stay at that pick I, I still feel like I'd have to roll with that but I mean you know they could end up trading up getting Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard that I mean I, I would do that too personally I mean obviously I mean who would take Jonathan Kuminga over Damian Lillard you're a moron if you do that <laughs> 100% but yeah I, I, I agree and at the number eight pick I, I don't know if this is What's on your drafts, uh, draft sheets? But I'm about to butcher the hell out of this name, and I'm so sorry. You got this. Al Alperin Singun Singun. I don't know. <laughs> I, love I, hearing, I, I love hearing Noah just try to pronounce it. I it's awful, but Al Alperin Sun Sungun uh, Sungun. I don't know. If if anybody from a Turkish country can correct us, please do by all means. But I can see why they would take pick eight here because he's six ten two forty. That's ridiculous size. And apparently, I had no idea who this kid was. So I'm going to just let this be known to the entire podcast right now. I'm looking off of CBS Sports, just letting this know. He is the MVP of the Turkish Super League as an 18-year-old. Sagan is an extremely skilled post-up scorer who shows playmaking and shooting potential that could take his game to the next level. But he has problem like getting in space, and any man can really guard him if it's one-on-one. 
So if he can work on the quickness and technique of his footwork, he might be legitimate. All right. But that's all I have on this the sheet. Alperin Alperin Shingun. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that what it is? So that's what it is. Yep. So the SE makes a sh sound. Okay. Yep. Even at that, it's usually the people that you can't pronounce the names correctly that end up being pros. Mm-hmm. So yep. I'll take a bank on that just alone. But if he's only 18 years old and he's projected to go as high as the eighth pick to the Orlando Magic, who absolutely busted with Mo Bamba, don't even know where he's at nowadays. Whoa, he was contributing last year. Chill with that. Was he? Was yeah, he? Yes, he well, was. I don't watch Orlando Magic games, so uh-huh. apologize to the state of Florida and the city of Orlando. Sorry. It might be a replacement, might be a better replacement. He's 6'10". You can put him at the four. He might be able to play him with Mo Bamba. You might be able to if he can just get that quickness and technique up. But as I've said, I don't know nothing about this kid. Yeah, I... I... Nope, nope, nothing about this. All I know is I was on Instagram the other day and I saw some post. I think it was an ESPN or Sports Center post that had somebody uh, having this guy go number one on their on their mock draft. Uh, I've never seen his name before. He snuck up on me. But you know what the deal is with European players. They're either godly and a superstar or a complete bust. It's not really an MB- any in between, and judging by the size of this guy and him being MVP of the Turkish Super League, also don't know what the difference between a regular and a Super League is. If anybody can explain that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but he's 6'10", 240. He's got an NBA body, so I mean, anybody with that height and that physique, I mean, is definitely going to be somebody with potential in the NBA. I mean, that's something you can work with for sure. So I don't see why not. They need a center. I'm all in on Alperin Shingun. Yeah, I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I am completely out. I am. There's no way you're going to convince me that we should be drafting 240-pound big men that cannot space the floor in 2021. There's no way that that. There's no way that you're telling me that somebody like Enos Cantor. I don't, think I don't really think 240 is too much, though. Okay, but uh, but like he he so 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 he's relying on his post presence and his mm-hmm. ability to score with post skill and back to the basket post moves. Yeah, no thanks. This ain't 1960. I I, I don't want to. I don't want that in my on my uh, NBA team in my NBA franchise. Somebody else can have him. Be my guest if you want to have Enos Cantor. Go for it. But there's no way I'm using my lottery pick for Enos Cantor 2.0. Well, I mean, this this does say he shows playmaking and shooting potential. So I I don't know anything about his game because I don't I've never seen this guy before. But if he okay, if he has Jokic level playmaking, I'll be wrong. I'll I'll just accept the fact that I was wrong on this one. But I find that almost impossible to believe. And you're not going to convince me that a European player that shoots 19% from three will be a good three-point shooter. Did not know that. That's a game changer. Yeah. So he will not be spacing the floor one bit. So I'm just going to bank on the fact that his playmaking ability is not going to make up for it. And he will will not be on my team ever. 
All right. So you're, you're the magic GM. Who are you taking at 10 then? That's a great question. Or not 10, 8, my bad. But yeah, who are you taking? That's a great question. I think I would probably go Franz Wagner. Does he have any relation to Mo? Uh, I believe he's their he's younger brother. Oh, oh, uh, really? Uh, uh, but he's their brother. Yeah, yeah, I see that right here. Look at that. Yeah, I think I think Wagner could be a great like two way player, space the floor, um, terrific on defense, versatile. You know, able to guard multiple positions, um, and be a really good off ball defender as well. So, uh, you know. Maybe it's just because it's a guy I've seen before. I haven't seen much of Shagoon, but he can shoot the ball, he can guard the perimeter, and he will be a two-way player that I am pretty confident will work in the NBA. So that's what I'd be banking on. There you go. Well, let's go on to pick nine. The Sacramento Kings against some action here. Uh, projected here is your boy. Uh, Friends, uh, Wagner, Wagner, huh? Is it, is it, is it Wagner or Wagner? Wagner, that Va- Wagner. Wagner. I think it's Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, it's Wagner. Yeah. I find it weird. Like I, don't, I don't really think like a European guy's last name is gonna be Wagner. You know, I, Wagner. Okay, Franz Wagner. Yeah, that's who's projected here at nine. So, literally every reason why Devin said he would take Wa- or Wagner over Shagoon, that's why I would take with Sacramento. And he not only that, he shot 35% as a sophomore. I mean, you can work on that as a, a little bit, but he also averaged 12.5, 6.5, and 3. So it, it's a, it, he has the athleticism to do more, especially at 220 for 6.9. He can probably get up there a little bit. And if he has the speed to keep up with the Aaron Fox, where he can control the ball and do that fast break offense that the Aaron Fox should have been doing from the get go, yeah, I could see him working out great for Sacramento. It's just yeah. if he can raise that three point percentage up a little bit, maybe at about thirty seven, thirty eight. You don't need to do much if you're six nine two twenty. You can already go in the paint, but. I, if he can get that up a little bit, I feel like they would actually have a a pretty good chance at maybe scoring more than 80 points a game, maybe 90. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, if he has the speed to keep up with Fox, he can be a great option on the perimeter. I mean, on the fast break, cut to the, cut to the corner, be ready for a spot-up shot. If he can like just be a nice like anchor and be a 3-and-D kind of guy, you know, Offer you some shot, shots, some points on offense, space the floor, and then defend the guy on the other end. I mean, that's that's really something Sacramento could use. So, I mean, I I completely agree. I mean, yeah, just be a better, younger version of Harrison Barnes. Exactly, exactly. Right. Where he actually shaves his face. <laughs> oh God, yeah. What, I forgot he had that thing going on. What is this? Remember when he said that it, it, he wasn't going to shave it until Sacramento had above five hundred season? Yeah. Good luck on that one, bud. Okay, he's going to end up looking like Duck Dynasty. So yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Or, or Noah. And the thing, uh, yeah. Well, I have a patch, so I don't think he'll do that. So, but uh, what? Speaking of the defensive side, his length and his instincts going to contribute to that extremely 69 220 i don't know his length it doesn't give me the description but if he is 
described as what he should be, then that would do more than Harrison Barnes ever even thought of doing when he was projected to be that guy. So I, I, I would absolutely agree with this pick. Yeah. All right. So you're on to pick 10 last pick we're going to do here and then we'll talk about some sleepers or something afterwards. But, um, we got Memphis who just moved up the other day in a hell of a trade steal by far. They got what well, they got blood. So Adams and this pick moving up. What? For bonus. You're what? Wait, who ripped off who? I'd say Memphis won this trade. No. Why? No. Huh? In what no. world? David Griffin just fleeced Memphis. What are you talking about? What did they what did Memphis give up other than Valanciunas? They the Memphis gave up Valanciunas. It took on two terrible contracts from New Orleans. Bledsoe is owed like twenty million the next two years. Stephen Adams is like twenty four million the next two years, and Joe Val is like fourteen. So New Orleans shed a ton of cap room. So they're gonna make be able to make you know move Lonzo if they want, sign a free agent. The David Griffin acknowledged the fact that he messed up by trading for Steven Adams. Eric Bledsoe, we've seen him in playoff games. It's an it's an astronomical failure. Not interested in having him on my team. And you're only moving down seven spots in the first round. You give up a pick 28 next year from the Lakers. Whoop-de-doo, who cares? I'm shedding $30 million in cap. I'm going to be signing a good free agent to compliment Brandon Egren and Zion. And I might actually do some damage in the playoffs with that team. Fair point. Fair point. I also think Jovell was the best player in the trade by far. Fair point. Yeah. Okay. Well, I still feel like Steven Adams will be, you know, kind of that they have. They're, they're both very similar players, and the Adams is younger, so. I feel like they're well, not really going to be lacking anything there. Well, also, but I also don't really feel like they're going to be making up a ton there. So I see what you're saying. Well, it, especially since the fact that Steven Adams is developing a three-point shot. I saw some Instagram videos probably about a month ago, maybe three weeks. And he's trying to get that shot or, excuse me, developed for him off a of pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop and just or even a pick-and-fade towards the mid-range. So... You never know what could go there, but if I had to bank on it, I would still do Stephen Adams. Yeah, I mean, this regard, this regard, Stephen Adams with a 0.07% three point percentage on his career, he's definitely going to develop a three point shot. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll happen, but I mean, this this regard, you know, last season with the Pelicans and. You know, his OKC time, he had, he had some decent, pretty decent, solid years. I mean, he's a stud rebounder. I mean, he had decent field goal percentage. I mean, you know, solid defense. I mean, like, I think his game's pretty similar to Jonas Valanciunas, but I think Jonas has a little bit of a better of a shot. But if I, I, I don't know if Steven Adams actually is developing a shot, I think he could be a pretty decent asset. Uh, Joe Val is much better in the pick and roll game, and he's able. He's better as a playmaker. You know, Joe Val can actually, you know, get the ball, do something with it. 
um, create his own offense. Steven Adams just gets offensive boards and putbacks or catches lobs from Lonzo or Chris Paul and his time at OKC. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, the offense just never worked with Zion. Like, he was a terrible fit with Zion. Everybody scratched their heads when they acquired him from OKC. And finally, that David Griffin acknowledged that he made a mistake and they need to move on and find something else. So, yeah. Well, was okay. So, I haven't even brought up a pick here, but yeah, pick 10 Memphis projected on my mock draft is Josh Giddy. Same with me. I don't have any stats because he played in Australia but according to CBS uh, an absolute virtuoso passer and playmaker who could develop into a solid three point shooter I I have to take CBS's word for that I don't know stats Devin please bring it up if you do that would be great uh, 11 but, 7 and 7 31% okay. 31% from behind the arc Alrighty, so he was almost averaging a triple-double, but that is also in Australia. So, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, if he can develop that three-point shot, you said 31%? Yep. Absolutely, he's 6'8", 205. If he can develop that shot, he put it right next to Ja Morant, move Jer- uh, Jaron Jackson to the four, and let him do what he needs to do. I, I literally have nothing to say about this guy, so... Uh... Neither do I. I was if, I mean, Sports if Franz Wagner falls to this pick, that's who I'm taking. I don't know who anything about Josh Giddy. Um but I mean if uh, I'm satisfied with John Morant, you know, I'm satisfied with Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson, you know, Brandon Clark. They've got a good roster to work around. If they can get a good three and D guy, that's what I'm taking. I don't know if that's what Josh Giddy is. Um but if that's what he can be, sure, yeah, I'll take him. Uh, Josh Giddy doesn't strike me as a type of guy you want to play with John Morant, though. It's my would be my concern. He's not going to be spacing the floor, and it seems like he's going to be kind of a distributor playmaker from you know the clips and stuff clips I've seen, things I've read. Um, so you know, I feel like Jaws, you know, already you know kind of able to do that just at a higher higher level while being able to create his own shot. So maybe if you want Josh Giddey to, you know, kind of run the second unit um, in his early years until he kind of develops a three-point shot, I'm not sure. Um, there's not really a glaring, um, you know, great prospect for Memphis to get. Also, one reason I don't really understand the trade, like uh, you moved up to 10, but, like, who are you getting at 10 that's, like, suddenly going to make you a serious playoff contender? I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's much much uh, logic that I can find with that trade, so uh, I'm not quite sure here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if Franz Wagner falls to that pick, that's what I'm taking. Outside of that, uh, like I said, just a three and D guy. That's what I'm yeah. taking. Yeah, for sure. I, I would if they get Franz. Hey, good. Uh, I like that. But I feel like a lot of teams should be taking Franz Wagner. So. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for the top ten picks. Y'all want to talk about some sleepers? I'll give one. Sleepers, what do you got? Oh, he's from the UK. Hmm. Isaiah Jackson? Yes, sir. And he has a, he's been falling all the way down to pick 23, which is back-to-back for Houston. 
Please keep that in mind. The pick 23 comes from Portland, and the pick 24 comes from Milwaukee. And the back-to-back -back picks are Sharif Cooper and Isaiah Jackson. We all know Houston's in full rebuild mode. That's just the thing now. So if you get Isaiah Jackson and develop into what he was, and, I, and this is from watching the abysmal Kentucky games this season, he, had, he was an excellent shot blocker. He could get rebounds. The only thing I would say is you're 6'10", 205. You need weight. That's just bottom line. Drink some Ensure, eat some carrots, whatever it is, please put some weight onto you. And if you can get that weight and battle it out with those fours and fives that are 230, 235, maybe even 240, he would have an absolute chance to dominate the paint, get those shot blocks, maybe even get some offensive rebounds, put the points per game up, and maybe even get a three-point shot on him. But that's me digressing. I would absolutely see Isaiah Jackson being a steal out of this. And maybe even Sharif Cooper dropping down to 24. Absolutely. Because we all know what he did to Kentucky while he was playing. It's just a thing. So I would do that. Just take back to back those picks. Those would be both steals for me. Devin, what do you think? Um, I'm my problem with Isaiah Jackson is the fact that he just he's not going to be an offensive playmaker. Um, he he's going to be a great rim running big. Um, it'll be like you know he'll be great on you know defending the paint, um, grabbing rebounds. But I I, I don't know. I just am going to be very worried uh, about his offensive abilities. But hey, that's Noah's call. So so be it. My my uh, favorite sleeper in the draft is Trey Mann out of Florida. Um, the reason you know he's kind of you know under the radar, lower on draft boards, um, is because he's just undersized. Um, he's only six three, but he did have a recent growth spurt. Um, that's kind of you know helped him grow a little bit, um, get some more height, and he's just been a terrific scorer. Um, you know, great, a high efficiency. Uh, 40% from behind the arc, 83% free throw shooter. So he's a great playmaker. He really commanded the offense at Florida. Um, and he has a great handle. So, you know, he'll be a liability on defense, but I think he'll be a great, you know, second unit off the bench scorer. And I don't think those guys grow on trees um, as much as, you know, maybe some people give him credit for. So, you know, if he could be something like, you know, a little, you know, maybe a little better than Jordan Corkson. Um, just a little undersized. I'd love I'd love to see Trey Mann, you know, put up put up buckets in the NBA. Yeah. Uh no mentioned him, but I was gonna say Sharif Cooper. Um I feel like obviously his shooting kinda was lacking at Auburn. Um but and is he's kind of undersized and I feel like that's kinda why he's dropped. But he's super fast, has a very solid playmaking, and I mean, if you can have a good playmaker in the NBA and you can work a team, obviously we've seen what Chris Paul did with the Suns. You know, Chris Paul is obviously still scoring and stuff too, but just good playmakers are becoming more of a necessity, way more of a necessity. Um, and I mean, I think Sharif Cooper has a lot of talent. He's fast, he's agile, you know, he's got some athleticism to him, to him if he can, you know, work with some NBA shooting coaches and fix that that percentage from college and, you know, get 
get a little more of a three ball on him, I think he could be a really, really good threat. I also agree with Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I agree with Trey Man. So. Well, all right. Yeah, that, that, does it. that does it for me. I would like to give a shout out to our fellow cast member, Chad Davis. I want everybody to go to his Instagram page and congratulate him on his proposal. That's what I would like for this for this podcast to end on. Just a nice congratulations for getting the chance to be married. Shout out to the brother. Glad I grew up with you. Everything in between. Congratulations, brother. What's his, uh, what's his Instagram handle? Where can they find him at? Uh, his Instagram <laughs> his Instagram handle is at chattercheese. Exactly how you think it's spelled. C H A D A R cheese. Absolutely go. What a banger. What a banger. What a banger name, right? What a banger name. Go over there. Give him some congratulations. Big moment in his life. Glad it finally happened. I just wanted to give a shout out to that man. Oh, yeah. Big boy moves. Proud of Chatty. Proud of Chatty Waddy for sure. Go go congratulate him and his. uh, I don't I mean, his. Impeccable amount of followers at 173. Indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah. A real cult following, wouldn't you oh, call yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Biggest fan base I've ever seen. Hey, yeah, he's seven, 70 likes, though. So, hey. Active ah, followers. There active you followers, go. Hey. Oh, look at that. That's some good numbers right there. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, that's what happens when you get, you get engaged. You get the likes. You get the likes. Yeah. Congrats to, congrats to Chad. Indeed. So, from there, I'll let Devin do the outro. Yeah, that'll do it for this NBA draft edition of From the Sidelines. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at FTSPod. And as Josh mentioned on the top of the show, feel free to check out our website, FTSPod.com. Uh, we got Cam Parker's you know, college football starting quarterback uh, series, so check those out. We just dropped the Big 12 edition. Um, big, 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 Big 12 news in SEC, you know, Oklahoma, Texas. So we'll talk about that here in the near future. I but... wish I could say what I wanted to do that, but I'd be censored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, go check out that article and all the Tyler Benders LCS running around the Rift content as always. So feel free to check all that out, fdspod.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or want to share your thoughts on the NBA draft or make some predictions, Feel free to send us an email to the FDS pod at gmail.com. Bye. Have a great time. <laughs>